Well, welcome everyone to the Robin Walter Show. God bless you this first weekend in February. Man, even 2024 is starting to fly by only 10 months away from a presidential election. And with that, I am going to start out the program a little bit differently today. Uh, I want to, this is (laughs) so unofficial, but I'd like to take a little bit of a poll. I would like to know from the listeners, just one word is fine or two words because it's a name I'm asking for, uh, to email me. It's redskyradio777 at gmail.com, redskyradio777 at gmail.com. And tell me who you think Trump should pick as a VP candidate. Part of the reason I'm doing this is because I saw a disturbing thing on really my favorite station, Newsmax, and it wasn't a Newsmax-sponsored piece. It was uh, an infomercial asking people to text their VP candidate for Donald Trump, and you only were given four choices. My first choice was not on there, but you only had four. And I thought, doggone it. I mean, is this some pseudo-conservative outfit trying to construct and force Trump in a certain direction by being able to go to him and say, this is the overwhelming uh, you know, favorite was blah, blah, blah. Put throw in a name. And I just thought, nuts to that. So you can put in anybody and everybody. I don't care if it's Donald Duck. I just like to hear hear what people think or who people think should be his running mate if he is a candidate. Now, those of you who listen to this program long enough have known that going back six, seven months ago, I indicated for the first time and several times since then that I am not convinced Donald Trump will be the candidate. There are way too many things that can happen, including the left's virulent behavior, which is Goodness gracious, it's from the pit of hell. But they love the concept of death for Donald Trump, which leads me to believe they will have inspire some to at least attempt an assassination if nothing else works. And if you don't like Trump, there's a, there's one reason that drive that overpowers every other every reason not to support him, and it's this. People need to support him if for no other reason than to prove that you cannot get away with suing and prosecuting political opponents out of a political race. We're banana Republican lowercase right now. If it succeeds, we're banana Republican all in uppercase letters. So I don't what whoever you say, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, um I had an, I, this is not a suggestion, it's just kind of a humorous thought. He kind of needs to switch to decaf, but what if Trump picked his son, Don Jr.? 
oh my gosh, so they get rid of Trump, but then they got to deal with Don Jr. right behind him. More more energy yet. Two terms he could carry out. Um, I just thought it was interesting. So you pick whoever you want, redskyradio777 at gmail.com. We'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, I want to launch with a few things that are kind of, well, what, not connected. But then I'm going to get down to today's topic, uh, and I'm calling this particular episode of The Robin Walter Show, uh, The United States Commits Suicide. Or consider suicide. I don't know. I don't have a final title yet because it hasn't gone out. But and we're going to get to the heart of that in a few minutes. But a few pieces in between. I want to touch on something uh, dealing with a new religion of the United States. And frankly, it's a new religion of the world. Um, do people who advocate it really believe it? No. I don't believe most people who advocate for climate change actually believe it. They just know that it's a really great tool to confiscate assets, redistribute resources, and essentially take control of the whole world. They got that with the COVID garbage. As we watch more and more people die from the vaccine, oh my gosh, I could do two programs on that, but I'm not going to. But they'll use whatever is at hand to be able to capture control. So... Are we getting into a war now with Iran and Syria and so forth? Are we going to get into a war here which is meant to prop up Joey Nobrains and make him look like a real effectual leader? And we certainly can't vote him out of office when they're in the middle of a war. Is that what's going on? Well, climate change is a tool. I don't believe people really believe it, except the young people who haven't, aren't old enough to realize there's another side of the story, who haven't been told one side of the facts. <laughs> one side of the There is only one side of the facts, and it's not what's being promulgated by government schools and so forth. In fact, there's a passage from Proverbs which certainly applies, well, to a lot of situations, but specifically the area of climate change. And that is the first one to plead his cause seemeth right until his neighbor comes and examines him or some would say cross-examine as we say in the law cross-examines the first one that pleads his cause seems right so if the only thing being taught in government schools under the regime the left-wing regime that controls government schools is that there is climate change that would seem right if no countering position is ever taught. And they can't allow that to be done lest their lying agenda, their agenda of lying about this, is exposed. But this story, of all places, doesn't they, comes from the Smithsonian, and they don't even realize what they're doing. Grab a hold of this piece. The Smithsonian came out the other day, and contends that there were three periods during the Roman Empire where climate change caused plagues. You got that? Okay, so this is before the Industrial Revolution. It's before fossil fuels. 
there weren't that many cows to emit methane, but they're contending that right around before and subsequent to the birth of Jesus Christ, that there was climate change that caused these plagues. Now, this is amazing. They said um, Rome, enjoyed sta- Rome enjoyed stable weather patterns from 200 to 100 B.C., but later suffered three very cold periods, all of which line up with documented plagues. The first plague killing between 5 and 10 million, which was 10% of the Roman Empire. The second plague, which was around 250 to 200 A.D., claimed about 5,000 lives every single day. And then the third plague, uh, the next cold phase, um, supposedly wiped out during the Byzantine Emperor Justinian, 500 A.D., supposedly wiped out 50 million people. And why? Climate change. But the climate change was were all unusual cold spells. I don't even know if the Smithsonian really gets and understands what they're admitting here. And I'm, you know, what, I'm just gonna. I've got four points to make. I got to make them quickly. I got a lot to cover. Point number one: uh, This alleged climate change, as I already mentioned, precedes the development of fossil fuels and the Industrial Revolution. Number two, it's cold, not heat, that caused these deaths. Okay, we got that. those two down. Number three, if it's true that there is some degree of climate change, then this story confirms, even in the 20th century now, and this is a fact, that cold weather kills more people than hot weather. We talk about hot weather and climate change being the end of civilization. Every single year, multiple times more people die of cold than heat. Fossil fuels has been what has reduced, reduced the amount of death from cold. And nobody makes that point more clearly than Vivek Ramaswamy. It's point number three. So, and then point number four. So if cold, if the cold period uh, caused disruptive events and death unrelated to carbon emissions, fossil fuels, and methane release, because there were a whole lot fewer cows back then, then so could the warm periods then, of course, arise having absolutely nothing to do with carbon emissions, fossil fuels, or methane gas releases from cows. Story done. Story over. This is it. My goodness sakes. Well, anyway, I I think I've uh, beat that to death, other than to simply say thank you to the Smithsonian for actually helping prove that today's climate change hysteria is nothing more than a bunch of fear-mongering garbage, an attempt to control the daily lives of everybody now on the, pl- on the planet. Oh, boy. Okay.
I guess you all know about the six pro-life activists that were found guilty facing 11 years in prison for a peaceful, peaceful protest of prayer and hymn singing at an abortion clinic. And what happened? Well, one of their own got got the heebie-jeebies, got scared, turned state's evidence. That they, all the evidence they had was somebody who ratted out her fellow brothers and sisters, even while there's no FBI response against uh, all the pro-life vandalism, uh, vandalism, all the pro-life entities. So this is what we have here, um, betrayal. And it talks about the end times, about the love of many shall grow cold and being gripped by fear. This is a case in point. Next point I want to get to here quickly. These radical leftists are now threatening conservatives, uh, not just at the ballot box, but this whole group under the guise of being a um, independent uh, advocacy group, but they're actually really towing the line with the Democracy Alliance, which is about anything but democracy, and the Indivisible, the worst organization to have ever set foot or be created on American shores. Look it up. You'll be shocked as to who is doing what and what they're trying to control. But they've taken it to a new point. You know, we had when um, Gorsuch was um, was approved, and uh, gosh, I, I drew a blank on the other Supreme Court. Oh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett was approved for the Supreme Court. They were sh- the radicals were showing up at their homes, harassing them. Of course, the FBI, the, D- the Department of Injustice, didn't do jack. But this group is now advocating that what needs to be done. This is their Washington D.C. rally. Quote, we need to find out where these people live and where they go to church. Who they hang around with and then bird dog their rear ends, except they don't use the word rear end. So you can dump in the word you know that I mean that I'm not going to say. Okay, well, next thing. This is interesting. Um the recent, most recent survey and analysis of IQ has determined that now the average IQ, the average IQ of college students, college students, continues to drop. From 1939, when things were first analyzed, it, it started to drop a little bit, but still really fell a lot from a 119 was the average IQ of a college student to 102. Bottom line, college students appear to be getting dumber. They're always bright ones. God's gifted certain people with uh, great minds and great thinking and oratorical skills and calculation ca- capabilities in the maths and sciences. But what this, but realize, though the average IQ of college students is 102, and the the average IQ of the population, just as a whole, is 100. It's barely above the pop. So next time you think, oh, he went to college, he's a real smart person, think again. Why don't you quiz him on a half a dozen things? Then you realize, you know what. 
I'm not going to hire you. First of all, you got a worthless degree. Second of all, you went into debt to get a worthless degree. Third of all, you're counting on Joe Biden to relieve you of the college debt, all of which makes you eminently unqualified to work for my company. Goodbye. Then go get somebody who's sharp, work ethic. Oh, you know what? I don't want to go further. You know what my point. So Maine and California continue to push for the laws of allowing authorities to take kids away from parents who resist transgendering. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I talked about this last week about Maine. But here's an interesting thing uh, you might want to watch. It's a video of Gavin Greaseball Gruesome. And when parents uh, relay their concern about transgender notification policy, what does he do? He laughs. He laughs. This is why I, I'm going to just share with you right now. It says we're to pray for those who are in authority over us. Well, he's not in authority over me. So I don't pray for him. But I actually, there are there's a couple places in Scripture where you are not to pray for someone. Don't pray. Three times in the book of Jeremiah, I think it is, one in the third epistle of John, you don't pray. And there's been, and I will tell you right now, Gavin Newsom is the first person in my life, the first person who I feel like the Holy Spirit has told me to not pray for. Do not pray for the man. He's from hell, and he, and he will not be saved. He will not be. That's what I'm sensing. I could be wrong, hoping wrong. But the fact that he laughs at parents in this thing, and his answer is, why is this such a big concern when it involves hardly or barely 1% of the population? Do you realize what he's, do you realize what he's saying? Why are you concerned that uh, we're taking your child, and you know, a child may be taken in the back room and uh, genitally mutilated, abused, Sex abuse. Why are you concerned about it when there's so few of those cases? <laughs> Seriously? This is how evil the man is. Okay. Now, to the depth of today's program. We're going to start out with a border issue. You know, the Lord references borders. I think 157 times I counted them. I can't remember the exact number. It's like 157 or 167. About eight or ten times it refers to the borders of a garment. But the remaining 147 or whatever times it refers to borders of nations and countries. God has set up the nations. He has established them. There's not an absolute prohibition of people moving to a new country. But borders serve a purpose. The whole concept of open borders is nonsense. It's an oxymoron. If it's open, it's not a border. If it's a border, it's not open. That's kind of a no-brainer. So I applaud, and I'm cheering the state of Texas in its fight against the U.S. feds regarding the U.S. and the feds' control of the border, which is a lack of control. The feds contend this is our exclusive jurisdiction and not and our exclusive jurisdiction means we don't even have to follow our own law. We get to do whatever we want. So cut down the razor wire, Texas. Greg Abbott said is just basically, hey, stick it where the sun doesn't shine. 
you guys, we're going to put up the razor wire. If you take it down, we're going to put up more, and we're going to put up more. We now have 27 states, 27, that have sided with the state of Texas, and I'm beginning to see, beginning to see what I first shared in my very first radio program in 1997 on a Christian station in Los Angeles. And I shared then that in 1997 that I don't know, but I felt like maybe 2010, 2015, we will have a secession. It's biblically permissible. The question is, is it biblically ordained? And under certain circumstances, it is. And we're going to have a program in the future that will break down the biblical basis for the states saying goodbye, sorry. It's, it's been fun, but now we have to scream, pick up our marbles, and go. And I identified in the program I did about a year ago 17 states that I thought that would exit. Well, there are 27 now that are at least getting on the bandwagon of Texas here. And we need to support them because this is the beginning of the split. Now... If it happens, I'm off 15 or 20 years. But, hey, I wasn't trying to be a prophet. I just knew in my heart what God had shown me that the day was coming. And I also shared this, which I need to repeat at this point in time. When I was at the at a uh, luncheon with a very well-known, very famous evangelist in Florida, I, just, I, th- I think I'm going to leave him nameless for right now. I walked into his church on a Sunday morning. Somebody told me I was somebody told him I was coming. I was running for office uh, in California, statewide office. He heard that he wanted to talk with me. He asked me, "Tell me everything you want to tell me." I got X amount of minutes before the sermon starts. So I shared it with him, and before a congregation of a couple thousand people and satellite broadcasts of seventy-eight different countries, he then called me out of the congregation to come up and tell the people what I had told him in private. Just an hour before that, I did stunned silence in that congregation. He took me to an upper room, yes, an upper room, where a few of his staff, their spouses, and I had lunch. I sat directly across the table from him. The table is about 12 feet long and about two and a half feet wide. You're just about in each other's face if you're talking to somebody on their side of the table. And he said to me, he said, Rob, tell me, what do you think is going to happen to this country? And I said, this is back about, I don't know, about eight or nine years ago. I said, it's going to split. And here's why it's going to split. I gave him the biblical passages. And I said, we can only be ruled by force or by consent. And when it's by force, people will get up and go. And he said, really? And then he turned to his associate pastor, who I will leave nameless, and he said to him, uh, so-and-so, let's call him Bob. He's not Bob. Bob, why don't you tell Rob the vision you shared with me just a couple of days ago, which incidentally Bob had shared with no one other than his wife and the pastor. And in the vision, he said he saw this flag kind of flapping in the breeze. And then he heard a voice speak. And he said the word was a word he said, I have never used in my life, I don't think. And it was one word. The voice spoke. 
secession. And when the voice spoke secession, the flag I was looking at, a star fell off the flag. And then the voice said secession again, and another star fell off the flag. And then he said secession again, and another flag, a star fell off the flag. And at that point, Bob can't remember whether there was a fourth star or more or not. That was the end of it. It startled him. And I said, well, that's interesting because I was not going to go to this church. I had a party wanting to get get me to go from California to, to Florida to go to this church and meet this particular pastor. I said, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And the woman finally just beat me into submission. And I ended up getting a really cheap airfare and a cheap car and a cheap hotel. And I thought, okay, I can't even use high expenses as an excuse. So at the last second, I threw in the towel and said, okay, I'm going in about three or four days. God did not give that vision to that associate pastor until I threw in the towel and agreed and set my plans to go. In other words, that man wasn't going to get the vision until I was there to confirm the vision. And the man's vision confirmed what I was there to share. This is where we are going. And I'm not going to get this later program when we get into the biblical basis because you're going to hear this little vignette probably again. But when it comes to protecting our border, as I have shared multiple times now, all things are on the table. It's an invasion. I've read to the uh, read to the radio crowd Article One, Section Ten, that gives the states the right to repel an invasion by any means possible or necessary when the situation will will not permit delay. I.e., there isn't time to run to a court and let it go through the whole court process to do to come to the conclusion. Oh, that's right, it was an emergency eight months ago. Now I'm going to share one other thing, which you will hear again. Right when Joe Biden became president, right when he became, and the borders opened up and the, the floodgates were opened up, I contacted a state legislator with him whom I have really no deep relationship. But I shared some things with him. He was in Fredericksburg, Texas, and I said, please, please, please get this to your governor. This is the authority you have to stop the invasion. Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution. Get it. Nobody was talking about it then. Nobody was talking about it until six months ago. Whether he did that or not, whether that's what's gotten to Abbott, who is now quoting Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution, maybe it had to just get so bad that they took this position and have known about it. I don't know. But the point is, you do what you can do. That's all I can do. I can't stop it, but I can certainly inform the governor of Texas that he has a constitutional authority to stop this nonsense, this invasion. Because, frankly, all options are on the table. When you have an invasion, what do you do? Well, actually, you shoot people, don't you? You go, yikes, is that what you're advocating? Well, if that is what's necessary to protect this country, when, what, nine out of every ten people coming in as a young male, we have all sorts of violent American-hating people. I read what that Moroccan said, a Moroccan uh, illegal on last week's program. You're going to get to know me real soon, who I am, what I stand for. 
If you have to shoot them, you got to shoot them. Now, if you've got 6.2 million people coming in, you don't have to shoot 6.2 million. You don't have to shoot 620,000. You don't have to shoot 62,000. You don't have to shoot 6.2,000. A few shots, people going down on the front, pick them out. If you tell them to stop, and if they don't stop, you unload. That'll send them back to Nicaragua, Venezuela, hopefully China. The number of Chinese coming in is over the top. This is probably what it comes down to is the threat of violence, and if it doesn't stop, then the violence. If, if Trump wants to, I mean, if uh, Biden is going to call in the military, he may be facing the Texas National Guard, the Oklahoma National Guard, huh. North Dakota, South Dakota National Guard, the Nebraska National Guard, Louisiana National Guard. Go look at the map of all the states that have vowed to support Texas, and you can see why I have been saying, if you got an extra 50000 bucks somewhere, go buy some land in the heartland because it may be where you will need to be when, this, when they secede from the union. As Wayne Allen Root writes, we're all Texans now. Everybody who cherishes this country is now a Texan. How about that? Well... Oh, my gosh, are we to the break already? I had something I wanted to read by Mr. Root, which I will do when we return. So please don't go away. This is Robin Walter with The Robin Walter Show, and we'll be right back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. When Sunday mornings rolled around, we dressed up and hand me down. Just in time together with the church. Sometimes I think how long it's been. How it impressed me then It was the only day my daddy wouldn't work We were walking in high cotton Old times there are not forgotten Those fertile fields are never far away We were walking in high cotton Old times there are not forgotten Leaving home was the We are back, and speaking of high cotton, uh, Alabama... Mississippi, Louisiana, those states are all signed on with Texas as well. All right. Uh, okay, where were we? You know what? I gotta I gotta read a little bit more of this this piece from Wayne Allen Root. He said, "Now that President Trump has, or for all intents and purposes, wrapped up the GO presidential nomination for the third time, Democrats are dead, and they know it." And if this election is about to be fair, honest, popular, with a popular vote, Democrats lose by a landslide. Desperate Democrats see it in the latest polls. They can feel it as young people, blacks, 
and Latinos all move toward Trump. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second to say this is why they will stop at nothing. And I mean nothing. And you know what I mean when I say nothing, don't you? Continuing on, black community leaders, which we covered this a few weeks ago, black community leaders in Chicago are even announcing they will vote Republican in November because of the open border disaster. The left has no one left. But that's why this is the most dangerous moment in American history. We have an evil enemy from within inside the White House with President Joe Biden and his boss, Barack Obama. And they can see their reign of terror is ending. They're desperate to hold on to power, but they see it slipping away. They have two choices now. Either try to win the election by rigging and cheating at unimaginable levels, even far worse than they cheated and rigged in 2020, or burn the country down on the way out the door, out the door so that Trump inherits a disaster, a country on fire, divided like never before, on the verge of collapse, on the verge of civil war, on the verge of World War III, and in the throes of a massive foreign invasion, overwhelming our economy, schools, and health care system. He said, with that, and this, and I've got to interject here, this is about the third person I've said this to. I haven't said it, but it's certainly what I have felt saying that the United States is going down. He said, there will never be another Republican president if Trump doesn't win. The Democrat voter machine, fraud machine would register tens of millions of illegals to vote Democrat. And now comes the most dangerous moment in history. They're 12 months from today through Inauguration Day on January 20th, 2025. And no matter what else the Democrats do to try to maintain power, no matter what evil plans they put into play, no matter if Trump wins again, Democrats know one thing. They have a few months to accelerate this intentional destruction of America through mass foreign invasion. So heed my warning. You ain't seen nothing yet. Ten million illegals have already come in. That's a foreign army inside our country of mostly young men. This is how they will steal the upcoming election. Or if they lose to Trump, this is their parting gift by giving the middle finger to Trump and to America. This is why Texas is so important. Texas holds the future of America in its hands. Biden and his boss, Obama, will do anything to stop Texas. Wow. Okay. That's what he said. We're all Texans now, and we kind of, kind of are. What's it, what are the, the consequences of, of this unbridled foreign invasion are all over the place. I mean, kids, the, the kid that got kicked out of his school at lunchtime because he had to make room for illegal kids to come in, the guy who had been in some a senior citizen thing for 27 years and got booted to make room for illegals. Illegals now get the average of $9,000 a month in food, board, housing, you name it, in the city of New York. Who's picking up the tab? Biden has $1.7 billion set aside to facilitate the entry of illegals in this country. Because who's paying for these people to get from Venezuela to the border? Somebody's paying for them. And it's partly the United States. But there are other consequences as well. This is amazing. 
syphilis cases just since the border has been open have skyrocketed. The other day, I the other day I see the uh, all all these illegals that have raped um, little children. We have an FBI report that they are an ICE report that they're already north of 100 illegals that are not only sexual perverts in the sense that they go around raping, they are pedophiles raping little children. Just walking across our border. Thank you, Joe, for uh, for committing the crime of the century, maybe in all of history. The deaths that are arising because of you, your open borders from fentanyl and so forth, may look like may may ultimately make Joe Stalin look like he was playing kindergarten when he had uh, twenty million executed. So the syphilis. Uh, what in nineteen in two thousand twenty one, it is up. They have two hundred two point five million cases now of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis reported. This is an increase in just a couple of years. Of twenty one percent, it was basically under control, and it skyrockets skyrockets with the introduction of three point or six point two million illegals over about two and a half years. Is that just a quinky-dink? Former FBI f- officials, multiple former FBI officials warn that the open border is absolutely an invasion. We will pay the price. An ex-Intel person for Germany said Europe will, be, will succumb to Islam maybe as early as 2030. That's six years. Certainly, certainly within the next 15 to 20 years. Why? The number of Muslims in Europe grew from 29 million in 1990 to 44 million in 2010. 2010. Since 2010, it's jumped from 44 million to 58 million. It's growing exponentially because the Europeans aren't having any kids. The Muslims have multiple wives and a gazillion babies, right? The future belongs to the fertile. We're seeing it played out. And Europe does not have the guts to deal with it. They still are pushing for basically unlimited immigration, except for a few countries like Poland and Hungary. And the word out is this. Europe doesn't seem to care as long as the current older generation gets their latte schmate at some outdoor French cafe, they seem to be fine as long as their cafe is not the one that's getting shot up. Yeah, shot up, even though guns are illegal. They can get them in. Or all the stabbings. I mean, the, the slit throats in London are direct, the increase are directly proportionate to the increase in Islamic immigration. No question about it. Uh, here's one. Uh, Europe. In our Europe, in Austria, it says six sex crimes, including against young boys, have skyrocketed in Austria since they started allowing essentially unlimited Muslim immigration. Quote by the authorities: One authority, quote, hardly a day goes by without reports of sex attacks by the hands of migrants. Free speech 
Used to be legal in Ireland, right? Not anymore. So after uh, you've got some Muslims there that slit a bunch of throats, stabbing a three small kids, uh, free speech ended in Ireland because they could no longer say anything against Islam. Or as Barack Obama once famously said, and I have the quote, nobody should dare say a word against the prophet Muhammad. Oh, my gosh. But it doesn't even it doesn't even stop there. Denmark. Denmark, which is a country which actually seemed to enjoy being able to make a mockery of Christianity because they call it a freedom of expression, all of a sudden lost its guts. And now there's an absolute prohibition of mocking Islam. And it's strictly forbidden. What does this mean? We're just simply doing the same thing here in this country. That's why we're committing. You know, it's one thing to see somebody else commit suicide. It's another thing to see somebody else commit suicide and decide, well, we're going to do it too. That is where we are in this country. It is a sad, sad situation. And so the question arises, and it's a very intriguing question to me, is as it was raised in that piece by Wayne Allen Root, if Trump should win, will we even have a nation left for Trump to try to fix? Actually, there's an article. You might want to look it up on World Net Daily uh, by Joseph Farah. Um, he, he, he actually, that's actually the title to one of his pieces. Will we have a nation left for Trump to fix? And you may want to read that. And I'm I'm just not convinced Trump is going to make it to the finish line here for whatever reason. Now, some of this is, is of his own doing. I, I'm not here to let DT off the hook totally and completely. And why do I say that? Because, all right, so this E. Jean Carroll, which I don't want to go into, Fox and Newsmax and all, Max, they've all covered that story. And I covered a little bit of it last week, as much as I could bring or shed some new light. But this is where Donald Trump goes wrong. And I've said this before. He just doesn't know when to shut up. And it angers me. He doesn't know when to close that trap of his and knock it off. He doesn't need to speak for an hour and a half. Many words are the, uh, boy, we... (laughs) I could do a program on all the biblical verses dealing with people who talk too much. And my and uh, one who knows most of them is probably my wife because she thinks I talk too much. And maybe every radio host does talk too much. I don't know. I'm just saying what I feel compelled to say. But but if you go back to when he said I don't I don't remember I didn't do this, you know, I didn't rape uh Eugene Carroll and, and besides uh, she's not my type. Are you kidding, Donald? You had you. Here's what Donald Trump was saying. He's saying he he didn't rape or he didn't remember. You know, didn't re- doing any of that. It may well be the case. It's thirty years old. But to go on to say she's not my type, what he's really saying is, if she were my type, maybe I would have raped her. But I know I didn't rape her because she's not my type. I would only force myself on a better-looking woman or whatever, whatever the case may be. What a stupid, 
stupid thing to say. I can see why the jury, although incorrectly, although they didn't require any evidence, wanted to slap him with punitive damages because of that that's that male ego and arrogance that made its way up and out his mouth ended up blowing off his, not his foot, maybe both feet. I hope he can recover from this. I don't know if he can, but I only hope he recovers from this if he can realize the mistakes he's made and somebody will will tell him to just knock it off. Trump needs some people he can trust if he ever gets elected and makes it into the swearing-in. I, boy, I hate Washington, D.C. It's late in life. I wouldn't want to do it. But I would go to D.C. to work for him. I really would. In a position where absolute trust is is just simply critical and you could not afford to have a deep state person fill a particular position. Am I qualified for any of that? Jeez, I don't know. Biden doesn't have anybody who's qualified, and Obama didn't have anybody who was qualified. And Trump had a few people who are not qualified. But I would like to throw in something here before I get too much of a downer. Something coming out of South Carolina, Nikki Haley's state. I just have to share this. There are two big schools in South Carolina. It used to uh, be licensed in South Carolina. No, I didn't get disbarred. I just turned it in because I knew I would never practice there. I handled one case, one personal injury case, and got a recovery. Couldn't find a place in South Carolina I really wanted to live. I love the people, though. And you know, and I'm at that stage of life. I will go, like I said, to D.C. I'll go wherever God actually directs me to go. And against my fleshly desires, that means I would even go to Washington, D.C. or California. South Carolina would be a lot easier, but they don't need me there. There's two main schools there, though, University of South Carolina and Clemson. They each have college Republican chapters. Each of the college Republican chapters have overwhelmingly endorsed Donald Trump over their former governor, Nikki Haley. And all of this is in addition to 150 endorsements from both current and former elected officials in the Palmetto State and upwards of 250 grassroots leaders uh, who've joined in supporting President Trump. Overwhelming support. So you know that, uh, of course, that the man who funded E. Jean Carroll's lawsuit against Trump, a good friend of George Soros, is also the biggest donor to Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is just a pawn in the hands of crossover Democrats to desperately try to keep Trump out of office. Because if they can keep Trump out of office, they may not have to try to assassinate him, which I think they will. I really think they will. Everybody I talk to agrees with me. I just say, what do you think they're going to do to Trump? He said, well, personally, I think they might try to kill him if nothing else works. They're certainly not beyond that. They voiced it when you got the whole crowd laughing on Jimmy Kimmel's show about uh, Donald Trump's death. They go, they're ecstatic, practically salivating on the program 
I mean, it's it, it's common knowledge. But here's the deal. If they can get somebody, especially like a Nikki Haley in there, who they know they could end up exercising some control, and she's a neocon. She isn't a true conservative. Finger to the, licks the finger, puts it to the wind, sees which way it's blowing, and that's the way that girl's going. What way is it blowing? That's the way she's going. And so she is not trustworthy. They could put up with her. But what it also means is that if there's any Republican candidate other than Donald Trump, that reduces the extent they need. First of all, like I said, it eliminates the need to assassinate him. But it also reduces the need to attempt to cheat and steal another election. So I guess my concluding thought here with respect to uh, Nikki Haley is that if those who know you best, those from your own state, all the elected officials who know you are overwhelmingly don't support you, you, uh, dear Nikki, are eminently unqualified. Eminently unqualified. Oh, okay. Last, you think it's, well, here we go. I got just a few minutes to fit this in. There's concern, of course, about from the far left about Trump getting in, as I have mentioned, but they are concerned not only as to his election, generally speaking, but what he might do to uh, seek revenge against the deep state. Now, I'm going to just throw in something here, which so I don't know why nobody talks about it. It's so brain dead easy to me. The deep state is is simply easy to get rid of. You get control of the House of Representatives and you simply defund them. Uh, we're going to cut the, the the budget for the Department of Injustice by 75 percent. Within that, the FBI by 63 percent, the Department of Energy by 47 percent. Just hack them. Turn it. Turn the Washington, D.C. area into a major housing glut where you can go in and buy homes that were a million five for about 250000 Wreck the housing market around D.C., Fairfax, Virginia, that area near, near, in Maryland nearby. So it's easy. The, the spending bills originate in the House of Representatives. Get control of the House of Representatives, which we have, and just cut them off at the financial knees with a rusty knife. Done and gone. They got to go. Now you know that that would spark an assassination attempt. You know that because they are of that ilk. They're of their father, the devil. Frankly, that's what they would do. However, in anticipation of a Trump's attempted revenge or his, the belief that he will attempt an act of severe revenge against the deep state, all of which is necessary and justified, NBC, NBC, and National Broadcasting Corporation came out with an article that port, that shows and reveals a degree of a left-wing plot to disrupt the military allegiance to civilian control. So what is the plot they're talking about? I'm going to quote 
Molly Hemingway, great writer of a great publication, The Federalist. She wrote, quote, NBC reports the left is plotting ways to have the military not be under civilian control. This is dangerous. It is unconstitutional. And it's all done with the idea of resting, W-R-E-S-T-I-N-G, control of the military from Donald Trump so that he couldn't use the military to seek revenge against the deep state. Well, he doesn't have to. But this is what the left is is plotting. The left is preparing and plotting for a military coup if Donald Trump is elected. If Donald Trump is elected, they're planning a military coup. Or they're attempting to plan it and put it together. I have no doubt that they would. We talked about being a banana republic at the beginning of this program. Most certainly we would be if a military coup a la Venezuela or Chile or Chile, as some say, or pick a half a dozen other countries that there have been military coups that end up taking over control of the government. It certainly is over at that point. Now we no longer have secession or secession only. Now we have civil war. And I have said civil war is not necessary because I don't see the right, the conservatives, ever attacking the left or the government. January 6th was not an insurrection. It was a protest that turned into a riot, but there was no, it, it met no definition of an insurrection. The attempt to take over the government, the controls of government, the military, all the things that are wrapped up, the use of arms, the only one that got sh- really that was injured seriously was Ashley Babbitt who got killed. Right? The woman who was doing nothing. So that would be the Civil War premise, and it will not be the right attacking the left. In fact, biblically, there's not a place for the righteous people to rise up to overthrow a a bad government. Even David exercised restraint and said, look, if God allowed or put Saul in office, uh, he's going to have to take him out. But because the right or because the um, desire or what seems like the political opportunity for conservatives to overthrow, even if militarily done, a bad, bad regime, just because that's not biblical and we can't do that, doesn't mean we don't have the right to self-defense, which is what Texas is talking about. It's what the 27 states that are lining up with Texas are talking about and getting closer to pledging themselves like Governor DeSantis. That's why he needs to stay a governor, a great governor, sending a 1,000 troops to the Texas border to help protect you, me, this country, and our way of life, our God-given freedoms which God will allow to be snatched away if we are hell-bent on turning this country into a a satanic cesspool, which is what this government and this regime are doing. But you, ah, you can up your game. You can sit taller in the saddle, America. Remember, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ, 
and never lose that moniker. Never lose it. Remember, well, good, thou faithful, good and faithful servant is what you want to hear when it's over. God bless you. See you next week.